0: She's on the money. She's on the money. Hello and welcome to She's on the Money, the podcast for millennials who want financial freedom. My name is Georgia King. I'm a copywriter and journalism student and every week I sit down to chat finance and money things with Victoria to find Melbourne-based financial advisor guru that lady. You do you lucky
1: lucky lady? But there's two other people in the room that you haven't introduced. That's in exactly such a delicious. way, right so on your
0: note. <laughs> we are also joined by the lovely Ryan John Thank and you the wonderful Jessica, Thank you. our community manager. We're all here around the table. It's quite it's quite nice. This is my first one with everyone. Yeah, all I think it's challenge. actually really fun. New improved cheese on the money in Absolutely 2021. Absolutely right. Now, today on our deep dive episode, we're going to be talking through the four key ways to invest. Property, the share market, cash and fixed interest. So that'll give you an overview of all of the ways you can invest in 2021. Fee, kick us off with property. So property is obviously the most popular
1: type of asset, but the reason it is a good asset is because it generates regular income from rent. And also as an asset, it can increase in value. And my favorite types of investments are investments that kind of do both of those for you. And I'll get into that in a little bit more detail. But there are a number of pros with property, right? So like capital growth over the long term, really important. You've got the ability to leverage, which means that you can borrow against that property to get another investment property. And it can kind of act as a tool for you. You've got asset produced regular income. So rent, you get an income stream that can help you pay off that mortgage. If you've got a mortgage that essentially can be paid off with that or it can help you along the way. And one of the things that I think is really important to take into consideration is that that asset is a physical asset. Like you can see it, you can touch it, you can taste it, like you can sit on the front lawn and you can eat a pizza. It is not something like a share in that it kind of feels a little bit elusive and often it's a more attractive asset purely because people love physical things. And at the end of the day, a house is worth a house if you ask every baby boomer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
2: so we're obviously going to do a deep dive episode into property investing in the next month or so, but... Just quickly, what would be the one biggest pro of property investing and maybe the one biggest con or just something to keep in mind or to look out for?
1: So biggest pro would be the ability to generate income via rent and capital growth and the ability for it to increase in value over time. The biggest con for me would actually be liquidity, which fancy word just means you can get your cash out. It takes a while to get cash out. And as much as people like, oh, my gosh, the share prices fluctuate so often, what we don't see is property prices fluctuate because there's not a like dollar sign over the top of each house that fluctuates and says, oh, this week, you know, something bad happened on the street. So it's, you know, decreased in value by 50 grand. Like that doesn't happen. A house is only ever worth what somebody is willing to pay for it at the time of sale. So you actually have to have a buyer, whereas you can just sell shares and be out within three business days. And often it takes upwards of 90 days for you to even get any of your capital back from a property. And that's
0: assuming you have a really smooth sailing sale. Is there a basic rule V when it comes to property? You know, with investing, you can kind of generally say that whatever you invest in in 10 years will, what is it, double? Double. Yeah. So, is that similar with property or is it just a completely different space?
1: So, it's interesting and we'll definitely get into it in the property investing episode, but... It's not what it used to be. Over the last 30 years, we've seen the property market have a rager of a time in Australia. And I think it's been really great. I uh, do Great think- for
2: people older than us. Yeah. Who for- houses. It's not for great yeah. for us who wanted to buy them. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Great for people older than us who are not currently looking for their first homes. But I also think it's really interesting because I do think property is still a really great asset if you're buying the right thing. And that is harder to do than it is to say.
2: All right, the next one, which is probably the the biggest, the juiciest, the most asked about, is shares. So these are
1: arguably my favourite, and I don't yep. think that that is a surprise to anybody. Shares are an asset class, which is very exciting. A share is when you become a tiny stakeholder in a company. So a share is you buying into that company and let's call you a shareholder and you become like a mini owner. So when you become a mini owner, that means that you are entitled to some of the profit that that company generates, but you are also entitled to the growth of that company. So say you bought She's on the Money a couple of years ago when everybody was like, oh my gosh, Liam, your Facebook group has five friends and three. <laughs> (laughs) of them in your family you bought it then and then over time it's increased in value you would be eligible for that growth should you sell your share in that business so that is one of the reasons why it is my favorite type of asset because you actually have both of those things obviously there are a number of pros liquidity is high back to what we're saying it's easy to dispose of a share and I know that saying something like dispose of a share sounds a little bit complicated but it just means selling a share and you can have your money back in your bank account within three business days which is very cool your capital actually grows and you don't actually have to have a lot of capital to start so a lot of people will say oh my gosh I'm saving for my first home like I need to get X amount or I need to save $100,000 before I can get into that. Whereas you can start investing on the share market with as little as $5, which I think is really cool. The value of shares is also always known. Like the share market is going to tell you exactly what your share portfolio is worth. Really important to mention there is that when you're talking about what a share is worth, it is only worth that if you sell that. So I think it's really important to understand that if the market dips and you currently have 10 shares, you still own 10 shares. They're just currently valued at less should you exit the market and sell. And a lot of people, and that obviously gets into emotional investing, which I'm super passionate about, and we're going to do an episode this season about it. But I think that that's really important. And back to my favorite part, it does produce income and it has growth. So that's pretty sexy outcome
2: a pretty common question in the group a lot of people start investing by using the micro investing apps like spaceship and raise which are really great but a lot of people say things like oh and when i get enough from that or i save up a bit more i'll start investing in inverted commas properly or into actual companies so what would be and i know there's maybe not a hard fixed answer but what would be the minimum that people need to actually invest that's not micro investing that's you know what's what are we calling that proper investing or just yeah, investing like in singular Yeah, like it's kind of like
1: graduating from micro-investing. I think it's really important to note that micro-investing is really investing and it is one of those things that I think a lot of people aren't too clear on that. Like you are actually investing. It is money that you're putting into the share market. It's just on a different platform and that platform is just owned by lots and lots of people. So the next step would be to, I would say, have about $5,000 saved but the important thing there is to be able to regularly commit to investing. So whether that is on a monthly basis or a quarterly basis, having an amount that you are putting into the share market, whether that is $500 or $300 or even $100, like you just need to make it a priority because that is what is going to play into the magic of compound interest and help your money grow over time significantly.
0: So ETFs, V they come up in the Facebook group a lot as well. Can you flesh that those out a little bit more i can etfs
1: are one of my favorite ways to invest i feel like all shares are like they're just a really fun asset class so an etf is an exchange traded fund and an exchange traded fund is a low cost way of earning a return that is very similar to an index or a commodity which is essentially just a share right so they also really help you to diversify your investment portfolio immediately so when you buy a direct share so say i went and bought woolworths I would not be well diversified because I would have one asset in one asset class and I would only be exposed to one type of industry in Australia. And whilst that's not the worst thing, I would feel everything. So say Woolworths went completely bust, we would find ourselves in a position where we lost all our money. An ETF is essentially a basket, and this is what hey, I always explain it. it is, not because it's dumbed down, it's literally it is what it is, but essentially an ETF is a big basket that is full of different shares that is run by a fund manager and he has or she has or they have filled their basket full of different shares that they've picked for really good reasons to create diversification. So because they have heaps and heaps of money to play with, they have been put in a position where they are able to have a whole heap of different industries and asset classes and often global versus Australian shares. So when you buy into an ETF with the same $100, you instantly get diversification. And diversification is really important because we never want to put all of our eggs in one basket because if we do
0: and we drop that basket we've broken all of our eggs yeah so that kind of makes it easier i guess if someone's kind of diversifying it for you it takes the thinking out of it um is that what happens when we invest in those micro investing platforms is that are they etfs um yes and no
1: so it depends on where you're going and what you're doing the two most popular platforms in the she's on the money community are raise and spaceship raise operates with ETFs and has a number of different ones in their portfolios whereas Spaceship is a managed fund
0: like it sounds like almost too good to be true like are they making are they getting a cut out of it okay so what what does that look like
1: so fees on an ETF often you'll have to pay brokerage so it depends on how you've purchased them and the way you purchase these funds is through a platform right so it could be through like Comsec or NAB trade. It could be through th- open markets. It could be through a number of different just platforms. Those aren't recommended platforms, by the way, they're just platforms that I've thought of. But essentially you can buy an ETF through them. You'll have to pay brokerage for that platform, but then you'll also pay a fee. Now fees on ETFs are usually below 1%, but they will definitely depend on how the ETF is structured and who manages it and what their expected performance is going to be. So they would vary from anywhere between 02 and they call these basis points, but we just call them percents. So 0.2% of your portfolio all the way up to like maybe 0.9% of your portfolio. Anything above that for an ETF I think is wildly ridiculous.
2: Does that mean obviously they're percentages, but is that why it's important to have a fair bit to get started because that can eat away it? your money if you don't have much in there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And so can brokerage. So brokerage on some platforms can be like $30. So I think it's really important to make sure that, you know, if you're putting $100 into the share market, but you're paying $30 brokerage, well, you just lost 30% of your portfolio by investing. And it just doesn't make sense, which is why we would recommend higher amounts. So if you're then investing $1,000 instead, for example, that becomes 3%. And obviously things decrease when you introduce scale, which is why it's really important to also have a platform that doesn't charge exorbitant brokerage fees because you don't want essentially to bite yourself in the butt before you even start.
0: So a lot of pros with investing in the stock market V but what about the negatives what are the cons?
1: So obviously it can make you feel emotionally a little bit taxed. Seeing what something is worth all the time can induce a number of levels of stress. It can make you feel anxious or you know, if you feel like your friends are getting into something, you can have a little bit of FOMO. I think it's really important to take that into consideration. But then when it comes to things like ETFs, The important thing to remember there is they are fantastic for diversification, but you are not the underlying owner of that asset. So say you decide you don't want to own ANZ for some reason anymore, you don't actually have the option of removing that from your ETF. It just is a part of that ETF, but not being the underlying owner means you could also own something that you love and have it sold without you having any say in it, but also something that you don't like could have been added to your portfolio. So I think it's really important to understand that, whereas with direct shares, it's completely in your control, like you would be the underlying owner of that. With ETFs, it can be a little bit more murky. I think maybe murky is a little bit too dramatic, but it definitely is that you are not the underlying owner of that asset. And for me, as an investor, ETFs are great. Yes, I currently do own ETFs, but in the future, once things do get larger, I do really want to move to owning direct shares because it means that I can, one, own less companies and have a little bit more conviction in the companies. I'm not talking about just owning two or three. I'm talking maybe like 10 or 11 or 12 different companies, but I have complete control over every single one of those but that will only be after i have a couple of hundred thousand dollars invested in my friends we are not there yet
2: (laughs) (laughs) um you often talk about you need to be willing to invest in the long term to ride the ups and downs yes just real quick in your definition and when you talk to your clients what's your definition of short-term mid-term long-term how long is actually long term.
1: So short term, I'd be talking like less than three years, in which case I would say, please don't invest, go look for a high interest savings account if you can find one that is still yep. high interest in this current marketplace. Medium term would be like five to seven years, in which case investing is a bit risky because we don't have a whole heap of exposure to time to you know compensate for the risk that we are taking. And then I would say long term investing is anything above 10 years.
2: We'll get to cash and fixed interest in a moment, but first a message from some friends of the show.
0: Alrighty, righty, Visa, so we've chatted property, stock market. Uh, we've got a few more to get to. To continue these conversations as well, guys, don't forget about our amazing Facebook group, which is popping off. How many people are in there now? Like 200,000? Oh, we're getting yeah, there. We're getting <laughs> we definitely not there
1: yet, but we are at 120. That's pretty epic. Really? Yeah, and we officially, guys, have a community manager. Jessica, say hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dramatic. <laughs> Probably yep. because she's busy managing our community.
2: Yep. <laughs> So the next one, are we doing cash or fixed interest?
1: All right. So let's do cash next because I feel like everybody understands cash at a base level. Cash is literally what I'm saying it is. It is cash. It is a great asset to hold when you need easy access to your capital really quickly. So we're talking about if you're planning on buying a home in the next two years, I get this message a lot, actually. Hey, Victoria, what's something I can invest in for the next two years? I want to buy a property. It's like, do not invest that cash. It needs to be sitting in your bank account so that you have easy access. Access to it I want you to have a high interest bank account where possible and if you've got fees on your bank account my friend it is 2021 review that ASAP go visit my friends at Upbank. that's not sponsored I'm just obsessed with them or
2: usually if you call and just say oh there's another bank's got no fees they'll waive them like it's pretty flexible
1: yeah I just feel like ask and you won't Don't ask and you won't get. Don't ask, don't get. Yeah, don't ask, don't get. Go ask them to take their fees away or you will take your business away. Goodbye.
2: Just to confirm, cash means cash in banks and savings account. It doesn't mean under the mattress.
1: (laughs) No, it doesn't mean under the mattress. That is very 1970s of you. But I also think it's really important to note that cash is a really important part of a well-diversified investment portfolio. So cash could be cash in your bank account that you currently have, whether that is, you know, just what's in your savings account or what is just in your transaction account. But it is also an asset class that in an investment portfolio we would hold we would hold as well, but it would depend on your risk profile. So, when I talk about your risk profile, that's, you know, how risky you want to be. Are you conservative, Georgia? Or are you a risk taker who wants to, you know, take over the world and you don't particularly care about the ebbs and flows of the share market? So, first, before we invest, we really need to understand that. And we're going to do an entire episode so that we can understand our risk profiles together. But cash can also be a part of that and some etfs actually carry cash so you might see on their list of what they actually hold they might just say cash three or four percent and that is literally money sitting in their account so that they can have a really low return but it kind of makes things a little bit more stable
2: is there anything like, like cash is pretty basic, right? Is there cash other- is
1: super basic, yep. but it's something that I think you guys need to understand because when you do get into investing, it is an important part of an investment portfolio and you will see it on things like ETFs. You will see, you know, if you go see a financial advisor, they might recommend that you hold a certain percent of cash because of your risk profile and you might go, yeah, okay, that makes sense.
2: All right, so the final one is fixed interest. What yes. is this in general? And then I guess people who are considering this as an investment choice what are they looking at it for
1: so fixed interest is also a really interesting asset is very similar to cash in that it is lower risk and lower return the most well-known types of fixed interest is a bond. So a bond is essentially when the government or companies borrow money from investors and then they pay them a rate of interest in return. Now we are known in Australia for having really good returns on bonds because the Australian government has never to date defaulted on a bond, which makes it quite a secure asset. Essentially, they'll say, "Hey Victoria, we really want to, you know, build some new roads, but we need to raise some capital." Put your money into our account, buy a bond, and they essentially hand over a certificate that says bond and the amount that you, you know, lent them on it. And it also says plus you'll get three or four percent. So it's not something like the share market, which on average has returns of about between seven and a half and eleven percent, depending on what you're investing in, but it is a lot more secure. Mm. Often your capital is tied up for a period of time, so a bond might be issued and it's a ten year bond. So essentially for you to get all the money that you are promised. You'll have to wait 10 years and it'll get paid back at that point. But essentially, the government will give you your money back.
2: So what kind of person would consider fixed interest as a good idea for them? Because I feel like as much as it seems simple, not a lot of people talk about it. Like, I don't no, have any friends about I think that bonds are this.
1: really cool. And they're an asset, again... A bond is a really exciting part of a well-diversified investment portfolio. I own bonds as a part of my portfolio and it's something that gives me the stability in my portfolio so that, you know, if my shares are performing, you know, not so well, it's the thing that kind of like lifts the rest of the portfolio up so I don't on average see negative returns. But for me, a bond is a really great way to start investing if you're super conservative. Like if you don't want to take risks, the idea of the share market terrifies you. Like that is something that, you know, maybe you should look into if you're still not happy with your cash sitting in your bank account.
2: Yeah, well, Georgia, from all the money diaries we did last year, how many times do you think you heard something along the lines of, I've saved up heaps I want to invest but I'm a bit scared and
0: don't know where to start I feel like like that was most of them it's like I'm a B plus but I give myself an A if I knew how to invest like that was everyone's goal and that's Um, what we're going to do this year we are going to
1: get you guys so excited to invest and so empowered to invest that you will know what the difference between an ordinary share and a preferential share is and you will be able to tell me
2: so are we saying that fixed interest for those people that have the money but are a bit scared is is maybe a good way to get into it because it is a bit safer
1: yeah absolutely and I think it's all also, I think it sounds really lame, but it's also an older person asset because you'll often see people who are in the retirement phases of their lives picking things like bonds because they're super conservative, but they have really good, generally stable returns. So if you buy a bond, you are pretty much guaranteed and like we say, pretty much not actually guaranteed you know, that three or 4% return once these people are at retirement age, often they're talking about, you know, maybe having a million dollars or having $300,000 that they put into a bond and they just want consistent cash flow, and you're happy to, you know, not be so risky because when you are in the retirement phases of your life, you do not want to be taking massive risks because the loss of capital is going to significantly hurt you. Whereas if you're a 20 year old thinking about starting to invest taking a massive risk and losing everything you've earned, and I know that sounds really dramatic, but you've got five grand, you've got heaps of time to make that back so we actually have the ability to be a bit more risky. Not that we want that to happen, but that's me boiling it down.
2: All right, so just to recap, the four main types of investments. Investment properties, shares cash and fixed interest and we will be doing an individual episode on all of those four yeah, um, as well
1: as risk profiling so that you guys understand what might be the best asset for you and i think we could make a really fun questionnaire to go along with it that you could fill in yeah well i was gonna say jess
2: do, do you want to put it in the facebook group maybe a post about each of the four say what are your questions about this so then in the episode we can answer everyone's questions yes and stuff i like love
0: that, that. So i can do definitely that. do that awesome Alrighty, fab chat today, guys. And just to uh, give you a little bit of a tease, or a little bit of uh, a sample of things to come, we will be all chatting on Friday about the investments that we have. Uh, spoilers, I don't have many, but that's alright. We'll, t- we'll talk about that on Friday. I think we've got some guava cruises lined up, so uh, I know I'm excited, guys. You'll
1: be there with bells on, <laughs> will you? I knew I had to tell you that I would organize something special to get you there. Yeah. I was just so worried that you, would you know. Abandoned you. <laughs> yeah all right like, the guava cruises have got me back all right but just before we head off we'd really like to acknowledge and pay respects to australia's aboriginal and torres strait islander peoples the traditional custodians of the lands the waterways and the skies all across australia we thank you for sharing and for caring for the land on which we are able to learn we pay our respects to elders past and present and we share our friendship and our kindness
0: The advice shared on She's on the Money is general in nature and does not consider your individual circumstances. She's on the Money exists purely for educational purposes and should not be relied upon to make an investment or a financial decision. And we promise Victoria Devine is an authorised representative of Australia Pacific Funds Management, Proprietary Limited, ABN 34132 463 257 AFSL 339 151. The numbers make us sound really legit. Yeah, they do. And that's because you are. Um, Also, Victor... Thanks to Ryan, John, and Beck, our producer angels, and also Jess in the studio with us today. Just thanks to everyone. You're all For angels. For pulling it all together. Absolutely. Making yeah. us
1: sound a lot shinier <laughs> and a lot better than we really are in real life. Well, but this comes
2: out Wednesday morning. It's currently 8.30 on Tuesday night, so it might not be as shiny <laughs> as usual. We
1: came here to party. <laughs> all right. See you on Friday, friends. See you guys. Bye. Bye.